0: You are listening to an Asking for a Friend podcast an elder-led ministry of Believer's Baptist Church in Emory, Texas. The Asking for a Friend podcast exists as a weekly resource for the edification and knowledge of God's people. My name is Jason Rowland. I want to thank you for listening in, whoever you may be and wherever you may be. And may the Lord bless this podcast to you as a means of grace for your spiritual growth. I'm the senior pastor of Believer's Baptist Church. And joining me on this podcast this morning is one of our elders, Philip Castleton. Philip, this is our 80th episode. We started this back in October of 2019. And so we are... Rapidly moving on to the hundredth episode, and when we do that, we need to have cupcakes and celebration and party hats. Have uh, Tyler Jones, who used to be our host, yeah. and Lisa Grady, our secretary. Jared Haygood does some stuff with the podcast. Right. We need to have all those people. They can bring the cupcakes, we'll and lead we'll them. eat them. I
1: think that's a, I think yeah. that's fair enough. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I am grateful for people like Jared because if um, for all those of you who will never be privy to what Jason just did, trying to give the introduction and how many times he stumbled over it, which I'm grateful he's the one who does it, not me. But I'm grateful that we have someone like uh, Tyler who will edit all of that out and we'll never hear
0: it. (laughs) Amen, brother. (laughs) (laughs) I have uh, been doing this since Tyler uh, determined that he needed to do some other things because his life is uh, busy. And um, I think I messed it up more often than I get it right. Well, that's
1: okay. You'd think that what we could do is record it, get it right, and then just copy and paste it on the front of everyone.
0: <laughs> that's probably what we need to do.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. That's probably until we idea. have
1: a special guest. Yes. And then, uh, yeah, yeah, we, can we change just, it. But, right. but it's funny because, uh, man, I was like, this is hard. You know, when you just blindly start talking into a microphone, people don't realize that if you're used to talking face-to-face with someone and now there's nobody there in front of you and you're trying to uh, say these things. It's not as easy as it would seem.
0: That's exactly right. Well, as I said, this is the 80th podcast. It's coming out on the May the 6th, and we have been currently in a sermon series in our congregation on worship, right? Uh, particularly regulated worship. What does regulated worship look like in the gathered worship of the church and so we've been talking about the right way to worship the wrong way to worship we've been looking at a lot of uh, different texts and trying to see what god has told us particularly on what it is to worship and for example we've determined um, not original with us but that um, we see the word And we preach the word, we pray the word, we sing the word, and we read the word. Those are the essential elements of regulated worship. Now their functions, how people do them within a context of gathered worship might look differently. And certainly um, the circumstances might look differently in terms of um, air conditioning and seated pews and those kinds of things. But all that to say... Um, this past Sunday, we did the Lord's Supper together as a congregation, and we did See the Word. And we will do this coming Sunday, which will be the first Sunday of May, May the 2nd, 2021, we'll be doing Sing sing the Word. And we have thought carefully about these things and will continue to do that. But in the context of trying to think rightly about regulated worship, we looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Right. And this chapter then gives us the question for the podcast, and the question is, what is the role of women in the church? This is, not to interrupt too much, this is interesting,
1: especially in the context of the Southern Baptist Convention right now, Um, a lot of um, feminism that is pervading the culture And um, this egalitarianism that's creeping into the church, Um, it's easy. uh, You know, if you turn on the news uh, and let the culture speak very loud at all into the things you're hearing constantly about um, this blurring the lines between uh, genders, right, and and, and sexes and sexes. and, and confusing roles between yes. those things. Uh, you know, I, I heard a girl in high school one time actually said to me, there's uh, anything that a man can do, I can do, right? right. Um, there, and and I, I thought, well, that is so naive, first right. of all. I mean, you, you're denying biology, immediately right and and there's uh, there's all these things that that you're not even taking into consideration when you say something like that right. but it, it's important because in the context of, of worship as we go and try to understand what the scripture says about what God requires of us I mean he does he
0: gives men and women particular roles yes and you're so right Philip because there is a lot of gender confusion out there currently in our American culture Um it has created this idea. And, and I suppose this would go back into uh, when feminism began to take root and it just has increased in its speed and its popularity to the point where now um, equality is understood to be that men and women can have the same roles, the same functions. Um, and, and in the biblical concept and understanding that would not be true. Yeah, yeah, and 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 the, I'm going to say a word:
1: patriarchy is is become, which is a biblical uh, uh, tenet. I mean, it's a biblical; uh, it's the way that the Bible is 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 explained. It goes beyond culture, and I, and I say that even though it was it was strongly cultural at the time, and it's not now. Many people make excuses and say, "Well, that was a cultural thing," but every time that God defines The distinction between roles between a man and a woman, he does it on the basis of creation, order, or fall. That's right. He does that in the scripture. He doesn't say anything about um, uh, cultural norms or societal expectations, right? This is not what he grounds it in. He says, "I because I willed it so, I created it so. And when things are done outside of the way that I have ordained them to be, they get mixed up. And he explains it that way according to the fall. So, uh, yeah, it's really important that we get these things right, that, that the scripture informs how we think about things. Scripture informs how we actually work out and, and perform our worship, mm-hmm. how we um, live our lives daily mm-hmm. in worship, and, um, and, and what we approve and don't approve of um uh, in in our in society around us. And I say that because I was just sent um information yesterday of a really large church just down the road from us. I mean, 30 minutes down the road who is having Beth Moore preach their Mother's Day service here in a couple weeks. Wow. Or we well whenever Mother's Day is, mm-hmm. right? And so I and, and you're just thinking here is a church which has abandoned the biblical um, model right. for uh, distinction, you know, of roles in worship and and what God has designed, and they have decided upon themselves that society. Um, is well, it's, well, they, they've decided or not. Society has a louder uh, voice, yes, and and
0: what they've determined to do than the scripture, and we don't want to be that. That's right. So what we have done in our gathered worship and um, tried to be careful about what we've said, but but what we had said, uh, it's given to us in the text of First Corinthians fourteen. In other words, what we have said about regulated worship, it's given to us in part in First Corinthians 14. So let me just begin in verse 26. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. What then, brothers? When you come together, so immediately we know we're talking about gathered worship. When you come together, each one is a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. That was our first principle that we plug into regulated worship that all things when we gather to worship should be done for building up one another verse 27 says if any speak in a tongue let there be only two or at most three and each in turn and let someone interpret But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church and speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and be encouraged. That's the end of verse 31 which we see this as a second principle in regulated worship. That is All may learn and be encouraged. The first was, remember, let all things be done for building up. Secondly, all things that rather all may learn and all be encouraged. Then in verse 32 and 33, And the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets. For God is not a God of confusion, but of grace. This is the reason that you have these principles given to us in gathered worship of the congregation. So that there's no confusion, and God is not a God of confusion, but a God of peace. Now the last part of verse 33 fits better with verse 34. So listen to what Paul says here. As in all the churches of the saints, the women should keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission as The law also says, if there is anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. That's the third principle, Philip, that we brought to our understanding of gathered worship in the churches, that the women should keep silent in the churches. So, immediately, uh, if you're listening, uh, you're probably um, putting up... um, guards against what has just been said, and there's a reaction to what has just been said. So let me just say what we're not saying. We're not saying that women um, are of less dignity or value that their personhood is less than a male's. We are not saying that they don't have role or place in the church. We are not saying that they are important to the life of the church. We're not saying that they are not partners in the gathered worship of the church to worship God rightly. Um, We are saying though that within the gathered worship of the church, there are certain things that men are given to do. And there are certain things that women are given to do. And this, this principle, then, as Paul says in verse thirty three, as in all the churches of the saints, what does that establish for us? Philip?
1: Well, I think that 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 broadens the scope, certainly beyond um, that of Corinth, uh, to all uh, of the the churches, um, minimally, in that culture, in mm-hmm. that time. Mm-hmm. But I think it goes beyond that. I think it, it means for all times and all places. Mm-hmm. I think he's saying this is, in general, uh, a way to be understood in, uh, in all churches at all times, right? Um, this is the way that God has
0: designed the church to function, Right. right. So that's what I would understand that to mean. Right. And and we're going to bring some other text into the conversation right that will help us understand that that thinking is correct. Right. So now let's back up to verse 26 because let's get the context of what is happening and that would help flesh this out better for the listener. Um Verse 26, again, what then, brothers, when you come together, that mm-hmm. is when men and women come together, notice what I said, men and women come together mm-hmm. for gathered worship. Someone might say, I have a hymn, or someone might say, I have a lesson, or I might have a revelation, or a tongue, or an interpretation. That's what he's referring to. Right. He's saying that somebody would would stand up and put themselves in a place of self-exaltation. Well, that's the whole argument from the beginning. And, and if yes. we were to go back and give it more context,
1: we would see that this is the argument from the beginning. Yes, Paul, in Corinthians in general, I mean, you know, he's, he's constantly rebuking them for, for their sectarianism, for their division, for... Uh, Immorality. Know, for, yes, sec- and personal exaltation, personal, um, uh, you, you know... Um, Wanting to be noticed in, in the assembly. And that's exactly what he's doing here. He's saying that's exactly what's happening. This group of people has come together, and men and women alike are all standing up saying, hey, I got something. Notice what I have to say. Look how important this thing is I've got, right? right. And they're wanting to be noticed. Um, they're they're abusing spiritual gifts such as tongues and interpretation. They're abusing these things. Uh, and, and what they're offering doesn't edify the body. It's meant to draw attention to themselves. Right. And he's saying to men and women in the context, when you come together, this is what's going on. Y'all are all standing up saying, look at me, look at me. And he's going, no, right, stop. If you want to know what it means to be and what it means to serve and what it means to fulfill God given gifts in the context of the church and to exercise them, first of all, it means that it's to be done for the edification of the whole. Right. Never for the edification of the one. Right. The spiritual gifts, as it's going to, as it said back in chapter 12, right, right. are given for the edification of the body. The Spirit gives gifts to whom He wills for the building up. Of the church, and so all of you who are stepping up and want to be noticed, you are about you and you alone. Stop it! Right? Quit it! This is men and women. He's rebuking. Stop! Quit! You you shouldn't be doing that. You ought to be thinking of the of the body. When you stand up, when you want to give a revelation, when you think that God has spoken and given you a tongue, if you're going to interpret these things, all these things need to be done with the with the understanding that your gifting was given for God's people,
0: not for you. That's right. That's why, as verse thirty-three reminded us that God is not a God of confusion. Right. He is a God of peace. And so as you said, Philip. Let all things be done for building up, and that all may learn. Yes, and, that, and that's a and that is an act of
1: grace mm-hmm. because in that culture, women weren't allowed to learn. That's right. And this is exactly what he's saying here. He's saying all do need to learn. That includes women. Here, in, this is an open invitation to women, saying we do want you to learn. It's not as if the culture, which then would have been holding back, saying no, men are to learn, women are to, are not to learn. They they have no desire. If they, if they want to know something or if they need to know something, the husband will just um, it, the husband will make decisions for them. They don't need to know anything And since they can stay in ignorance. That's not no, what, what this is saying. No. In fact, this is a, a really an opening up saying, we want the women to learn. In fact, in another text we're going to look at, another it says that women should learn. Yes, specifically, that they should. But in the context of that learning, In the context of of the the gathered assembly, there are particular roles for men and particular roles for women, even though both are to learn.
0: Right. And neither, neither men or women should stand up in the gathered worship and and exalt self or to cause confusion, to interrupt. And that's the, what Paul says beginning there in verse 27, as we read just a moment ago, make sure that you give preference to one another. Be humble for one another. Make sure that there are two or three in order that are speaking. And it talks about prophesying. It talks about tongues and interpretation of tongues. And so, as we think about what Paul has written here, what he is saying is that even in this context, then there are, as you just said, roles that men have and women have. And so, women do not have the role of prophesying interpretation of tongues or tongues. Right. That does not fit within the context of right worship before the Lord. And so what he, what the apostle is writing about in verse 34, that men should, rather that women should keep silent in the churches, is this reference back to not only the causing confusion and and, and causing um, interruption in the service but also that women don't have these roles right they don't and this promotes
1: the order that he's been he's been ch- uh, promoting right right he's saying and a- and actually this promotes the family as well yes right if you go back to Ephesians we have this picture of the husband you know being the head right and right. And, the, and the woman submitting uh, gladly to her husband and so right. forth it actually promotes that as well it's saying that it, we want a woman to learn but rather than her be um, in some way uh, a, a, a prone to interrupt the service, if she's got questions, go home. Ask the husband. And this, again, establishes that order, that family order, that family structure that God has established. The husband is to be the, the, the spiritual leader, and the wife submits to the husband. And so in the church, those roles have not, um, have not gone by the wayside. Right. They are still established even in the corporate meeting of the people right. of, of god 's people does that, does that make sense
0: yes, it does and you know ephesians five twenty two through thirty three is the text you're referring right. to uh, where the husband is told to love his wife as Christ loved the church uh-huh. the wife is told to just submit to her husband right. as the church does to christ
1: and unfortunately, what happens is we, we 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 say we believe that, and then when we come to to the um uh, to the gathered body, somehow we toss that all out the window. Right. And what he's saying, I think when he says, if a woman has a question, let her ask her husband at home, he is enforcing, if you will, reestablishing that, that particular setup that he's given, right, right, for the structure of the home. He's saying that structure hasn't changed. Right. We, men are still the spiritual leaders, which is what he's, this is why he's telling women to be silent in the churches. Right, right, right. That it's men have that particular role like they do at home, and women should subject themselves in the church to that role just like they do at home. Right,
0: and that is important because then when we come to the text that we're, that we're looking at closely there in 1 Corinthians 14, then we know that that's not a man-made idea a man has not created that philosophy to somehow put women down, to somehow keep them in some regulated or um, sub- subjective kind of place. Um, that is from God and it's not to subject women. No in it, fact, we'll get into it in a minute. Right. but
1: in, in Timothy that he's going to make it really clear that men have a role in the kingdom. And women have a role in the kingdom. Yes, And they're very different roles, but they're equally important in the scheme of the kingdom. That's right. And
0: um, we'll get to there in a minute, but yes. And so um, it's important. We recognize in our own congregation, we just had 18 people come for membership in this church by God's grace through baptism or statement or letter. Right. And in that 18, there are four single women. Yeah. So we understand that women are a big part of the gathered worship. The the demographics, the number of women in any gathered worship would be equal to half if not more. Yeah. So so we're not saying that they should not be in worship or that they don't have a place to sing. Because they're commanded to sing, just as the men are commanded to sing. They're commanded to uh, be thankful, just as the men are commanded to be thankful. And you can go to Colossians and Ephesians both, and there's text in those uh, New Testament letters that speak to that. Um, Women are to edify one another with the conversations that they have. Um, So it's not to put them in a place that somehow they cannot now... um, be participating in the worship service through song, through prayer, through listening, through hearing the the word read, that would be a false understanding of this. right? But that is a defensive reaction that many will go to who hear what we're saying.
1: Yeah, I think that we all have sin tendencies, right? Um, We're all prideful people. I mean, right. we, that's just part of our our fallen nature, and we all don't like to be told what we can't do. Right, right. Especially when all boundaries are being done away with in our culture. Right. Right. When all these boundaries and all these lines and all these things have been blurred or just erased, um, it, it Christians aren't immune. Right. From from pride right. swelling up and saying well, I have a voice. Why can't it be heard? Mm -hmm. Or why shouldn't it be heard? Is it not valid, right? I mean, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, and and by the way, this is not just this is this is a tendency for men and women, yes, right? right? I mean, it's not only are women not to do certain things in the corp, in the body of the church. Men aren't to do certain things either, right? And and certain men aren't to do things. You know, okay. it, it's not everybody has the role uh, in that sense. Not everybody's going to be a preacher or a teacher or whatever, even in context of men. That's right. So there are men who aren't going to be doing these these things either, right? Uh, but. Um, but yeah, it, it's so it's a tendency in all of us. So I think that th- really the difficulty in this text is is not understanding it; it's submitting to it. Right. And I think this is why Paul ends this particular text with, um, "If you don't understand this, then I would ask you: Are you the one that God spoke to?" Mm-hmm. Are you the one, are you the only one who that God uh, has spoken to? I mean, are you denying my apostolic authority here, really, right? right. Um, no, I am the one that God has given this to, to make this clear. And if you reject this, well, you're to be rejected. In fact, I think from my understanding of it, if you refuse to submit to what I'm saying, there's no reason to believe that you're a Christian.
0: Right. And that's verses 35 through 40 where Paul, yeah. Paul says, I am writing to you, uh, uh, the things that I'm writing to you are a command of the Lord, yeah. of the Lord. So yes, um, this is not something that you um, relegate to uh, man's ideas of the culture or our, moder- our modern ideas of culture and thought overlaid over this. This is from the Lord.
1: Yeah, and he goes on to say, right, and it, by the way, if you truly do believe that you're spiritual, weigh what I've said, mm. because what I've said is true, and you'll agree with it. Right. And if you don't agree with what I've said, don't count yourself as spiritual. Right. Right. Yeah. If you reject it, you're to be rejected. If you accept it, then you're to be accepted, right? Mm-hmm. So th- really, that's a, that's a heavy qualification that he puts on it. But what he's saying is, we're all going to be tempted, and he knows this isn't going to go down well. for some people this is gonna be hard to swallow even in that patriarchal culture right Mm -hmm. Right. this isn't this is gonna be very difficult to do and here's why I mean we're told in Genesis that one of the marks of the fall is that one of the things that's going that is going to be true of women because of the fall is that they will desire what God has intended for their man right they will desire um to swap roles yes. with their husbands. yes, And God says that'll be something that is endemic, right? It is part of the fallen nature. And um, so... That's Genesis 3.16. Yeah, so we know that. We know that. And Paul knows that. Right. And Paul addresses this people saying, I know that just because you're in Christ does not mean that you don't have... Um, uh, the, the 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 fallen flesh still
0: attached to you and this is not going to go down well right And perhaps some of that is seen even in this context that we're reading in 1 Corinthians 14, and that men are giving those roles up. Well, I think that when we get to the 1 Timothy text,
1: I think that's exactly the point he makes. Because he's going to, again, he's going to talk similarly about what it means in the context of the church for men and women. And then I think he's going to make that very point that when he talks about the fall,
0: and we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah. yeah. In fact, let's just summarize 1 Corinthians 14 with verse 40, because Paul says at the end of this discussion, but all things should be done decently and in order. Right. So this is why God gives us very specific ways to worship Him. Right. We see, for example, in Leviticus chapter 10, wrong ways to worship God. Sure. We see the two sons of Aaron offering strange fire. We see wrong ways to worship um, in the context of Ananias and Sapphira uh, in in the offering. Uh, um, We see a wrong way to worship there. We see a wrong way to worship in John chapter 4, where the woman at the well is talking about a particular place and and, and how it should be tied to a location. Um, And and, and so there are wrong ways of worship giving to us very clearly. Uh, yeah. In the Scripture. So then, if the summary of, verse, uh, of, of chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians is, but all things should be done decently and in order, then let's go to the 1 Timothy text that you've referenced several times and, and, and see if this will give further explanation.
1: Okay. Well, first of all, 1 Timothy is actually set in the context of confronting false teachers. Okay? And that's important mm-hmm. when he addresses... Um, uh, he's going to forbid women teaching and exercising authority here, right? Mm-hmm. So he's he's confronting false teachers so that when, what we get to is what we recognize. And this is why I referenced the statement I did a minute ago about the person bringing in Beth Moore. Um, it, what we would have to recognize, according to First Timothy, is Beth Moore is a false teacher. Mm-hmm. Simply, even if what she says is true, The fact that she's in rebellion against God when she stands up and does what she does, that in itself marks her as a a false teacher. But that's the context set. And then you get in verse 8, 1 Timothy 2, 8, it says this, I desire then that in every place the men um, should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. Likewise, also, that women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair, gold pearls, or costly attire, but with what is proper for women who profess godliness with good works. Again, uh, this is here this role distinction between these two made clear, and 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 it's distinguishing, you know, uh, w- w- with exhortation and prohibition. Right? I mean, here's what I want you to do. Here's what I don't want you to do. Right? right. Verse 11, let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. Now, this is this positive command, right? Women should be learners like we saw in 1 Corinthians 14. And, but it, here's what it says. But it should be done in silence and with what? All submissiveness. Right. Here, the positive teaching here is that women are to conduct themselves at public gatherings of believers in a manner which, which recognizes that, that God has appointed them to submissiveness to men. Right? Mm-hmm. So they actually are supposed to come into the assembly recognizing how God has ordered creation, the family, and worship mm-hmm. and sub- rightly submitting
0: mm-hmm.
1: in, in their role and their place in this, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um and by the way, um she's to conduct herself here in a manner that doesn't squirm Under authority, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Because that's the nature. We talked about this. This is what we want to do is go, ooh, I don't like
0: that. That's why you don't have to teach your two-year-old not to touch the hot stove that you have commanded them not to. Because even as we come out of the womb, we immediately um, rebel against any... Kind of command that what we think would limit our freedom or our choices. Well, this is
1: why Paul says the the the, the law came along and made me aware that I was a sinner. Right, right? right. I mean, I didn't I didn't know what it was to covet until the law came aside and said, "Don't covet." In a real sense, the law elicits in me desires that I didn't even realize were there. Right. I'm told, "Don't do it," and the first thing I want to do, you know, don't think of pink elephants. Well, there it is, <laughs> the right. pink right. elephant. Right? right. Right. It's that kind of thing. That's exactly it. But he, she is to not re. She's not to regard herself or her submissive posture as an imposition, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yes. Right. She is supposed to recognize this is who God has created me to be. This is how God has created. This is how he's put me in the the body of believers. and, And that's my role. Verse 12, I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. Now... Um if you go back and look at the word order this suggests that there are two differing prohibitions here not one a lot of times people represent this like i don't allow women to teach men or exercise authority over men and, and in essence like this is one command stated um you know in two different ways right mm-hmm. i i i don't think if you go back to the word order in greek and and, and look at it that it makes that i think really what it's being says is i do not allow women to teach or and I do not allow women to exercise authority over men. I think those are two different commands, okay? But she has to remain quiet. So this is, um, I don't think, like I said, this is, um, I think this is two differing uh, prohibitions, not a restatement or a clarification of one, right? Mm -hmm. So to teach, however, a woman, I do not permit. This is the literal translation. If you go back and look at the Greek and just give it, it says, to teach, however, a woman I do not permit nor to use authority over men. That's how it's stated in in the Greek, right? The two distinct prohibitions here that women aren't to be teachers and they're not to exercise authority. And this would mean that um, what is being prohibited in this text is much wider in scope than just teaching men. Now, I know that some of our church is gonna hear this and go, what, you know, well, I think this would go as far as to, teach, uh, to exclude women teaching in all contexts of the gathered assembly. Okay, Now, there are, there are contexts in which women can teach. I think the Bible's clear on that. But, but according to this text, I think if we, we let it speak, not try to make exceptions for the culture, not try to make exceptions for gifting, not try to make exceptions for all these other things, we let it speak and let it speak on its, on its own. I think it says that women can't teach in the gathered body, and they're not to
0: exercise authority. So, And you would call that the formal gathered body, which in Southern Baptist life, which that's who we are... Yeah, that would include, in your mind, Sunday school. It would um, Sunday morning worship. Yeah,
1: it would. In fact, um, I, and I and I say that because there are examples of script in scripture of um, outside of the gathered body, assembled body of of believers. We have uh, Priscilla and Aquila teaching um, Apollos, right? Right. But not in the context of the gathered assembly. Right. In a private setting, they taught, and that was a good thing. Right. We also have um, uh, Eunice and Lois, uh, Timothy's mother and grandmother, teaching him. In fact, I think that really that's going to be the key to a woman's role in the kingdom as we move on in the text. But what we see is that Eunice and Lois taught Timothy. It was important that they taught Timothy. And and some people like to say, well, Eunice and Lois taught Timothy so that women can uh, teach children. But the, the text doesn't say that. In fact, the text says, um, when we get over to Titus, it's going to say, let women teach. Women. If there is a place for women to, to teach in the gathered assembly, I think that there's one place for women to teach and... I'd be so specific as to say there's also one thing that they're supposed to teach and with one agenda and one purpose, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I actually think that all of that is given. So I don't think it's just left wide open, mm-hmm. you know, for, uh, okay, a woman can be a, a Bible teacher of a, a women's Bible study. Mm-hmm. Okay, fair enough. In the gathered body, what are they supposed to be teaching? Mm-hmm. I
0: think the text also tells us that. And maybe we can get to that in a minute. Right. But verse 13, this is what you're about to get into now. Is the reasons the foundations? That, yeah. uh, yes, and and remember for the listener, for all of us to think this is apostolic authority. Yeah, Th- this is not um, Paul. Some chauvinist. Paul is um, trying to to show his patriarchy in a in an authoritative way uh, against a culture. This is uh, apostolic authority given to Paul through. Uh, revelation
1: yeah and and it also means that that this this is grounded in something other than culture because this is what most people go back to mm-hmm. well, it was a patriarchal system, and um the first country the first century you know they didn't value women, this is what they people always say, mm-hmm. but we're different now, so women ought to be able to use their giftings. Well, I do agree that women have giftings yes. and they should use them. Yes. The question is what is the scripture ordained for us to do in the gathered assembly? And what, in it, actually, this may be a real um, rebuke of women who have gifting and don't use it outside. Of the assembled body, which is where they should be using it. Mm-hmm. They think that it's always meant for them to, you know, I need to have a Sunday school class. Well, how about you go outside of the assembly and go and gather up a bunch of kids in your neighborhood and teach them, mm-hmm. right? Or get a hold of a bunch of women in your neighborhood and teach them, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. There's the calling. Go mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. No, I've got to have. I've got to have a Sunday school class. Well, no, you don't. Uh, anyway, I, verse thirteen. Here's the the foundation. Here's where he grounds it. Adam was formed first, then Eve. That's creation, creation order. Creation order. He's saying, um, and by the way, God's will. God willed to create Adam first and Eve second. Yes. Okay. So in God's will, he intended this. And in, in from Paul's perspective, the Holy Spirit's perspective, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Uh, because we believe this is um, inspired. inspired and authoritative and, and sufficient. Paul was told... Women shouldn't teach or exercise authority because of the creation order. Adam was created first and woman second. He's going to make the argument in chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians that that order means that men were created and women were created to help men. Right, he actually makes that that argument, and and um, that 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 is explicit in um, Genesis chapter two. Yeah, and we may not like it; it might it might bristle, uh, bristle cause us to bristle against, um, you know, all the things that um, we've been taught uh, in in a feminist culture, right? right. Um, but this is what the scripture says, and like I said, I don't say this because I have a disregard for women. I'm actually, we're both saying this and bringing this up because we think that women have a wonderful role to play, a God-ordained role to play, yes. and they don't rightly fulfill it when they seek to do it outside of God's capacity and will.
0: Yes, and, and let me add to that, Philip, in that uh, we we both uh, are married, and so this is not to somehow be um, overlording over our wives I mean, I'm just saying that we're not saying this so that we can be abusive toward women or that we can give excuses for men in any reason no, to be I'm, abusive. No, I'm scared of my wife. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, um, And I am too, by the way. <laughs> of my wife. Yes. <laughs> but uh, the, the, the the point is not to somehow make women less than. I mean, the most influential people in my life, I I would say, would be my mother and my grandmother. Sure. Just as you referenced Lois and Eunice just a moment ago in Timothy's life. I could, I'm in living uh, current testimony of that very fact. I have confidence to say that. Now, men have shaped me in uh, in ways as well, Uh, but I'm just trying to emphasize the fact that this is not an excuse or a reason to make women less than. Oh, it's not. Certainly not. No. So this is just looking at what the Word of God has given us. Remember, so that all things can be done decently and in order, so that not only in the church, but in the home. Right. And in society. Yeah, and actually society has has suffered because yes.
1: of this this twisting of the roles. And as we get to what woman's role is in the kingdom in a minute— I think we'll recognize that if women took that role seriously, our culture would look really, really differently. Yes. It would. But look what it says at verse 14, or for, verse 13 Adam was formed first, then Eve. Here the prohibition and the positive submissiveness commanded is, is the foundation in, in, in created order. Um, it's not cultural context. Verse 14 Adam was deceived. Woman was I mean, but Adam was not deceived, rather, but woman was deceived and became a transgressor. And here, Paul makes clear that uh, that stepping beyond the created order, a woman stepping outside of uh, her role, man relinquishing his role is what facilitated the fall, Yes, right? Women usurped her role, Adam subordinated his, right. This is why. So he says, first of all, Adam was created first, then Eve. second of all, Look what happens when we get the order reversed—the fall. Adam said, "You want to lead? Go ahead." Eve. Eve said, "I do. I'll take it." Mm-hmm. And that—the fall—was the, was the result. So there's where we see when people step out of their God-given ordained roles, um, confusion, um, sin. Uh, Lots of bad things come about, right? right? Verse 15. Now, here's where we start looking at the positive aspect of a woman's role in the kingdom. Here's the problem. Ladies, men have a role to serve in the kingdom of God. Women have a role to serve in the kingdom of God. And here's what it is, verse 15. Yet, she was the one who was deceived, right? Verse 14. Yet she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. Now this doesn't mean saved as this salvific, right? I'm I'm going to be saved from my sin, saved going to heaven, saved from 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 hell. That's not what it means. It means there's a stigma that is attached to the fact that the woman usurped her role and she was the one who was deceived. But you you see the damage done to the human race, right? right. Because woman. Stepped out of her role? Do you want to be saved from that? Well, here's a wonderful opportunity. Here's
0: a redeeming
1: opportunity. Here's the opportunity to redeem yourself, ladies. Bear and raise godly children. Right. There's your role in the kingdom. That's what it says. And by the way, so imagine that women have the, have the responsibility, the privilege of bearing children, Raising children, raising godly children. And by the way, it says if they continue in the faith, the stigma is not released by just bearing children. The stigma is released by reversing the fall in Mm -hmm. in a real sense by raising children who love and remain and stay faithful to God and his commands. Right. So raising that in a sense, reverses this, this damage done at the fall. Right. And that's the picture. So she'll be saved through childbearing if they, the children, continue in faith, love, and holiness with self-control. A woman's contribution to the kingdom does not come through teaching in the assembly. It comes rather through bearing and training of godly children at home. And imagine now the culture. If a woman had kept that view, and man keeps his role, and woman keeps her role. Mm-hmm. Imagine how different our culture looks.
0: Right, amazing. Exactly. And some of those children that are being raised in love and in, to continue in faithfulness and holiness will be men who will be leaders, teachers, preachers in the church. So yeah. that they, they they have a place in, in creating and and nurturing, which women are. Gifted for nurturing. Well, imagine this. Just think about this for a second. Eunice and Lois are known
1: 2,000 years later because of their faithfulness in bearing and raising Timothy. Right. And Paul says, these women poured into you and taught you the scriptures which were able to
0: save your soul. Yes, right. Right. That's what's being articulated. Right. I mean, we have um, one of our... um, fellow elders Kyle Slaymaker. he has three sons yeah. I continually pray for Kyle and his wife Natalie that all three all three but at, at least one God would you just raise up one what, just one for the kingdom yeah and make him a mighty man I mean really yeah and, and I'm not, that, I, that is an important role that Natalie has. And she'll Kyle, have the primary um, influence in. Right. Yes. Kyle's role is a different role in the church. Yeah. So uh, he certainly has some um, responsibility as, as a, a father in that context, but. Natalie will have the the greater influence. Sure.
1: So now, if we were to go and say, okay, so what does this mean
0: for women in the context
1: of the church? What is their role? Well, it doesn't mean that they can never teach. I don't think it means that. I do think that we're given in Titus an exception to this, right? So here in Titus uh, 2, 3, well, actually verse 1 begins, teach, sound, doctrine, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And then in verse 3, here's what it says in the context of women. Older women... Likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to, here's what women are to do, teach what is good, right? And by the way, here's the only admonition we're given in the New Testament for women to teach. And it comes specifically with an audience, an agenda, and a purpose. This is from my perspective. I think that this is what should frame and govern a woman's teaching ministry. Verse 4. And so, older women likewise be reverent behavior, not slanderous, slaves, much wine. They are to teach what is good. And so, here's what is good. Here's what is supposed to be taught. Train young women. Okay? So we have women teaching women. Older women teaching younger women, specifically. And here's what they're supposed to teach. To love their husbands and their children. To be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, submissive to their own husbands. Now, think about this. If we have older women teaching younger women to do that, we end up with the godly trained people that we just talked about in 1 Timothy. Yes. Right? Right. But somewhere along the way, women have decided that uh, that's not fulfilling for them. They want something bigger and greater. And... um
0: They've been and, lied to. They've been lied to yeah, by the culture. Yeah. They've been lied to say that you less than you can't be fulfilled unless. Yeah. Yes, you can't. Uh, you can't contribute uh, really in a qualitative kind of way to culture if all you do is stay home and raise your children.
1: Yeah, which is, is a lie. It is a lie. It's an absolute lie. Real fulfillment comes in doing X, Y, and Z. God says no. Right. Real fulfillment, real satisfaction, real kingdom work comes into. Training your children and older women. Once you've done that, and you're beyond the, the the years of training your own children, teach the younger women how to train their children, right. how to love their husbands, how to keep their homes. Right. Right. This is how it works. And then it, look what it says. And here's the agenda, right? So that the word of God may not be Reviled. revived. What do you think people say about God's about God and His Word when? Christians act like the world. He's saying, so that Christians look and act and sound like Christians, it requires women to teach women how to raise their children right. right. So that Christians look like Christians. They act like Christians, and God's name, God's people are not reviled. Right. This is the testimony. So um, they have a huge role, huge role in the kingdom. It's it's just as important as the rest. It's just different.
0: Yes. And and thank God for them. Thank yes. thank the Lord that uh, he has gifted them and and given them graces and opportunity within the church that He is ordained that they should have. Thank the Lord. Well, Philip, we've gone uh, an extended time on this particular podcast, which is good because we've tried to be thorough. And perhaps we've left some questions unanswered. Um, Women working outside the home, what does that mean? Um, What do we do with, currently, if you're a listener now and um, you uh, have uh, women teaching Sunday school classes in your church, how does that look? And Mm -hmm. what... what, and we are working through these things as well. Yeah. And we want to be quick to say that. We are learning and trying to understand how this applies um, in our own congregation.
1: Yeah. And even as we try to, like I said, what, as we try to understand them, as we try to um, implement changes, uh, we would encourage you, as we're trying to do ourselves, to do it with grace. Yes. And to do it in such a way that it doesn't... Um, if, you, if you turn a boat, you can throw people out of the boat if you don't turn it, um, with care. Right. And so uh, that being said, I think that we're trying to uh, uh, do this, be faithful to it and do it in such a way that we not only, um, uh, don't throw people, you know, um, without grace, we don't handle it without grace, but also that we can rightly implement where we need women to be teaching and what they need to be teaching and, 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 and institute, um,
0: places where we can facilitate this kind of um, right right thinking. Well, for example, just one one way that I think uh, might be helpful, you know, we just had this past Sunday, April the 25th, uh, a single lady come uh, who during the week had come to my office and she had received Christ. And when I presented her to the congregation, the thing that I asked for was another lady to disciple her through fundamentals of the faith. Yes. And another woman matching up with this new um, baby Christian to match up with her and to disciple her. That would be a proper way to understand what would be applicable here. I think
1: so. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's
0: exactly it. Right. Well... We uh, appreciate the fact that you would take the time to listen to this podcast. To, it may have raised questions and may have caused you to, to rethink some things. And, and hopefully it will be helpful. That is our prayer. And we prayed before we went on uh, air with this p- podcast as we um, will have other recordings um, throughout this day. This is um, April the 27th. But we, we want all of our podcasts to be helpful is the point. And we pray for that. And we pray that this one would be helpful. And certainly we appreciate any uh, ratings or reviews or shares or uh, good old-fashioned word of mouth. Any way that you can um, use the podcast, uh, again, that could be helpful. And if we can do something for you to discuss this with you further, uh, look us up, Mm -hmm. uh, Believers Baptist Church. um, Call us. Um, send us an email. Go online to our website. Um, we're on Facebook. Um, make sure that you reach out to us, and perhaps um, uh, you can teach us something, or perhaps we can learn together, and uh, maybe we, we could fill in some of the gaps that may, we may have uh, unintentionally left even in our discussion this morning. Sure. No. Well, Lord bless you. Thank you. Amen.